If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So far... Every crucial moment that has come along in the whole Mueller investigation thing has been letting air out of the Trump impeachment balloon, right? So far, all the, At the big very moments, least not inflating it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if there's yet another one of those tomorrow when Mueller testifies in front of two House committees. Rosalind Helderman is a Washington Post reporter focusing on political enterprise story and uh, stories and investigations and joins us now. Rosalind, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I noticed there in your uh, your curriculum vitae, he says, trying to, to appear to be your equal, a BA, in, <laughs> a, a BA in history from Harvard, huh? Do you have a favorite era? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I love history of all kinds. Oh, I yeah. like the modern era. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a, a long ago resume point. Uh, well, that's all right. We just, we're just we both history freaks, and so we like talking yeah. about it with anybody who wants to. But you clearly don't. So, <laughs> listen. <laughs> let's talk about the Mueller testimony tomorrow. Sure uh, and I've, I've read some of your reporting in the uh, the good stuff that Devlin Barrett and Matt Zapatosky have written in the Post. Yeah. Um, the more I learn, the less I expect. Is that uh, wrong? I don't think so, necessarily. I mean, you know, we only heard from Bob Mueller once across this entire investigation. He gave that public statement in May uh, announcing that he was closing the investigation. That was less than 10 minutes long. And he said several times in the course of that statement that he did not especially wish to testify before Congress, that he considered his report to be his testimony uh, and that he found uh, additional testimony to be unnecessary. So you're dealing kind of with a with a hostile witness. His goal is to not share anything beyond his report and to not make any uh, any news. Now, that having been said, he really didn't make any news at that press conference in May either. He didn't say anything that wasn't in the report 
than either. And yet, for a lot of people, that was still surprising. Just to hear him say the things that were in the report made a lot of news, opened some people's eyes. So Democrats are sort of hopeful that if they can just get him to talk about what's actually in the report, uh, maybe it will uh, sort of refocus Americans' attention on some of the damage. So far, every crucial moment that has come along in the whole Mueller investigation thing has been letting air out of the Trump impeachment balloon, right? So far, all the, At the big very moments. Least not inflating it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if there's yet another one of those tomorrow when Mueller testifies in front of two House committees. Rosalind Helderman is a Washington Post reporter focusing on political enterprise story and uh, stories and investigations and joins us now. Rosalind, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I noticed there in your uh, your curriculum vitae, he says, trying to to appear to be your equal, a BA in, <laughs> a, a BA in history from Harvard, huh? Do you have a favorite era? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I love history of all kinds. Oh, I yeah. like the modern era. Um, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a, a long ago resume point. Uh, well, that's all right. We just, we're just we both history freaks, and so we like talking yeah. about it with anybody who wants to. But you clearly don't. So, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Let's talk about the Mueller testimony tomorrow. Sure uh, and I've, I've read some of your reporting in the uh, the good stuff that Devlin Barrett and Matt Zapatosky have written in the Post. Yeah. Um, the more I learn, the less I expect. Is that uh, wrong? I don't think so, necessarily. I mean, you know, we only heard from Bob Mueller once across this entire investigation. He gave that public statement in May uh, announcing that he was closing the investigation. That was less than 10 minutes long. And he said several times in the course of that statement that he did not especially wish to testify before Congress, that he considered his report to be his testimony uh, and that he found uh, additional testimony to be unnecessary. So you're dealing kind of with a with a hostile witness. His goal is to not share anything beyond his report and to not make any uh, any news. Now, that having been said, he really didn't make any news at that press conference in May either. He didn't say anything that wasn't in the report then either. And yet, for a lot of people, that was still surprising. Just to hear him say the things that were in the report made a lot of news, opened some people's eyes. So Democrats are sort of hopeful that if they can just get him to talk about what's actually in the report, uh, maybe it will uh, sort of re focus Americans' attention on some of the damaging details that are actually contained in that document. Kind of reminds you of the Battle of Hastings, doesn't it? As a history major? No? <laughs> Trying to drag you back into that? Maybe a little. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I get it that I saw one report where they're going to cut up portions of Democrats, and this is a good idea, are going to cut up portions of Mueller's testimony, which is just basically the Mueller report, but nobody's read it, uh, and and get that out on social media and, and hope there's a this is a second chance to get out the information that he gathered, thinking it will be damaging to the president. Is that the goal? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, we've heard a little bit that the uh, Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, who are likely to be focused a little bit more on what the Russians did during the investigation and the moments where the Trump campaign seemed to sort of welcome the Russian assistance, uh, even if uh, there was not a criminal conspiracy, um, which we know from the report. Uh, so th- there's some sense that they may try to push Mueller to provide some new facts to go a little bit beyond the four corners of the report. The 
the Judiciary Committee Democrats, who are apparently going to focus on the second volume of the report dealing with possible obstruction of justice, uh, have signaled that they intend to stick much more closely to what's actually in the document and basically try to get Bob Mueller to narrate some of these rather Mm. dramatic moments where the president really did appear to try to interfere in the investigation and kind of just lay out those facts so so that uh, Americans better understand uh, some of the president's behavior in office. I fully get that. Now, which one's first? The uh, which committee's first? I believe judiciary is. Okay, first. so and that's the one where they're going to try to get him to narrate the report, as you just said. Yeah, we, so, which is a little do, backwards. But frankly. We, it feels like it should start with Russia and then go to obstruction. But I think I think it's going to go in the other order. But is there any reason he's going to go along with that? I mean, he doesn't have to be the dancing monkey that reads the report, or will he just say it's on page forty-eight? You could. You really, I, mean, I don't feel like it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll know in 24 hours. Yeah, uh, I guess. You know, we, we we do have some sense of him that, you know, he, he does not like partisan nonsense. He doesn't want to be there. He's uh, he's already been given some restrictions by the Department of Justice on what they think he should be talking about. O- on the other hand, you know, I don't think that the special counsel's office and the prosecutors in that office wrote a 450-page report uh, just for their own sense of fun. Like, I do think that they want Americans point. to read it and they want Americans to understand and what's in it. That's a good uh, point. So, you know, so we, we may find that he is a little less hostile than you would think from that May press conference that if the Democrats don't push him too hard, if they don't sort of try to get him to go somewhere that's not in the report in terms of like declaring that the president committed a crime, he may be willing to do a certain amount of just describing what's in the report. Right. Although I think, it, and I just learned this this morning, he, uh, Mueller, asked, and we're talking to Rosalind Helderman of the Washington Post um, about the Mueller hearings tomorrow, but uh, Mueller uh, asked to be subpoenaed, and I just realized, uh, I found out why, it's so he's now uh, got to follow, in effect, the rules of a Justice Department employee, which include, for instance, not um, not impugning unindicted, uncharged the third parties, not in fact, not even discussing them, uh, established policy. I'm quoting from the post now uh, also precludes any comment on the facts developed and legal conclusions by the special counsel's office with respect to un- uncharged individuals. I mean, it really sounds like the rules have, are pretty he's pretty well clamped down by them. Well, so he's got this letter now in hand. So if he encounters questions he doesn't want to answer, he has sort of the ability to fall back and say, the Department of Justice has indicated I shouldn't be answering these. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be him there live, and it will be up to him what to answer. There's very little sort of recourse the Department of Justice would have against him uh, if he didn't follow those guidelines. Mm. And and what's more, uh, you know, you might remember the attorney general came out um, maybe a week or two ago and actually said, said that he thought that the uh, special counsel shouldn't have to testify at all and sort of signaled that if Bob Mueller wanted to say, wanted to refuse, the Department of Justice would fight on his behalf. He kind of signaled that, you know, they would have his back if he wanted right. to tell Congress, I'm not going to show up, there's no need for this. And there's this whole series, you'll recall, of other administration officials who are in that posture who have refused to show up and the Department of Justice is going to fight in court on their behalf to not appear. And it appears as though uh, Special Counsel Mueller has not taken the Department of Justice up on that sort of vague offer to fight for him. He is going to show up. And so, you know, a lot of this is in the mind of Bob Mueller, and none of us, none of, that's a place none of us yep. live. Just and like so, the Enlightenment, you know. wouldn't you say? Oh, boy. <laughs> I had a better one than that, but you stole my thunder. <laughs>
Rosalind Helderman, Washington Post a reporter. Well, I guess we'll find out together. Rosalind, enjoy the chat as always very much. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much for having me. We'll, we'll make tomorrow's uh, history tomorrow. All right. <laughs> I'll jump that down. That's very clever. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of chuckles out of the uh, the history nerd from Harvard. So <laughs> That's what was my goal. So I was, was going to ask you. This, this interview was your Waterloo, Rosalind. <laughs> That's better than what I said. Significantly better. Um, oh, and you know what I wanted to go with? Uh, what was the disastrous campaign that uh, Churchill led? World War One. Yeah, except I wasn't a hundred percent sure how to pronounce it. I um, thought it was Gallipoli. So the, that's fun to say. Let's say it together. Gallipoli. <laughs> we didn't get to the other side of the aisle, which you know I should ask her, but. Uh... Republicans, the, the claim is Republicans, this is their opportunity to drill down on how, when did you know the steel dossier was bogus and yes. why did you keep going and all this sort of right. stuff? Does he need to answer those questions or does he? The, the short answer is no. And we made reference to, and I'm sorry, we probably should have explained it better, but this letter from the Justice Department instructing old Bob Mueller uh, on what he can and cannot say and should and should not say, it really limits him it it, it's from the deputy attorney general Mueller requested earlier this month guidance on how to handle questions quote concerning privilege or other legal bars applicable to potential testimony in connection with uh the subpoenas and and the report and the letter notes Mueller had resisted testifying the department agrees that you shouldn't be testifying anyway it's unnecessary and that will remind you, don't say anything about unindicted individuals or, or uncharged individuals. Um, you've got to follow all the court orders and, and blah, blah, blah. And just, in other words, shut your mouth. And, and I expect him to give little. Now, I'm trying to think through, based on would... my legal education, which included almost applying to law school, whether if they asked him, when did you know the Steele dossier was fake? If he, he'd probably just say, I'm not prepared to discuss that. You might hear that phrase over and over again. Justice Department rules preclude me from discussing that. You better get prepared, buddy. That's that's what my uh, yes. report would be. Touche. All right. Well, okay. So somewhere... asked, w- asked whether Mueller intended to speak beyond his report, one of the media people involved in, in his, his getting ready to uh, testify. Uh, referred to a May news conference in which Mueller said he would not and added, as he made pretty clear then, you can expect him to stick pretty close to the four walls of the report. This could be almost uh, laughably uncomfortable tomorrow then. Yes. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> that would be perfect. When like the fifth person in a row asks him a question and he says again with a sigh, as I've said previously, I'm, uh, I would refer you to the report. If the president was any other person, would you have indicted him? I'm not prepared to testify as to the hypothetical blah, blah. He probably, in fact, he will probably have a stock phrase that doesn't even go that far. It'll be. So will they close down early? That's beyond the scope of the report. Go to lunch or bring in a, bring in a comedian to do, a, <laughs> do an act for a kill a little time or stretch, stretch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It could be laughably weird tomorrow if he just refuses to answer any questions. Yeah. Well, that'd be perfect. Or he could say, "That's ah, all right. Finally, I've been ach- I've been aching to tell you this. Listen to this. I think the guy, you know, that right. sort of thing. I doubt it. I doubt it too." Armstrong and Getty.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 